You're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Jim, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so excited to talk to you and get to know you. So start out by telling me just a couple of little things about yourself. All right, great. Well, thank you for having me, Heidi. This is super exciting for me. A few things about myself. I'm uh, I'm married to um, an amazing woman. Her name's Alicia. We've been married for 15 years. Um, I live in the great state of Colorado, and I, I don't just live here. I ski here. Um, I know you're in Utah. I'd love to come over and ski that ski side of the here. range. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I, uh, I I I wrote a book this past year to share my story with people because I've got a unique story. Uh, one we're going to dig into here. And it's, uh, it's crazy. I love sharing story. It's like what I'm all about. I do an expectation gap coaching program where I help people through basically suffering and it's, uh, it's what I'm about. So I, I, I love it. So thank you for the opportunity here today. Yay. I am so looking forward to this. So you got to tell me your story. Tell me your lemon to lemonade story and why you do what you do now. I'm excited. All right. Perfect. Well, take me man- back. Okay. So about 17 years ago, what is that? Like 2004? Like I'm, I'm so fuzzy on dates, maybe 2005. Five, yeah. I, um, I started going to this church, you know, this isn't going to be a big religion story, but I like I'm sitting in this church and there's this gal up on stage doing um, announcements and she's really cute. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should maybe volunteer here. You know, like I should get to know her you know, what she was saying, there's some technical mishaps that were happening up on stage and none of it was her fault, but she was dealing with it, you know, with grace and humor. And I was like, yes, okay, I'm in, let's do this. So I go and introduce myself to her. And, uh, you know, like it, it seemed pretty obvious. I think like I was trying to squeeze my way in. She saw right through my motives and uh, she started giving me some heck and was like, no, you know, we, our standards are really high here for volunteering. I'm not sure if you'll make the grade. So we, uh, I was nervous. Like, are, are you for real or are you flirting with me? Cause I, I, <laughs> I I'm trying to get in with you, you know? And uh, you know, long story short, we went out on an interview, you know, so she could get to know how good I would be on her team. And uh, we started dating. This is uh, Alicia and me. And we, uh, just fell in love so quickly. It was uh, like, I had not dated a ton uh, and I'm like mid twenties. And like, I probably should have been out there trying to figure out what I like about girls, what I don't like about girls, but man, I was in with Alicia. Like I just fell in love with her heart and she's super smart and incredibly passionate. So we date for a year and a half and um, everything's great. You know, she's got some like little health things, like nothing, nothing major, but we, when I ask her to marry me, uh, we have, I, I, I have the worst engagement, like proposal story ever. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell it. I don't want to, if you want to really get it, it's, uh, it's in the book, but I, I ding dong ditch her basically. Like it's, I was so scared. I was petrified, but she said, yes, she chose this level of pathetic here. Um, <laughs> So we get engaged and we have a really short engagement. It is, uh, uh, what, 10 weeks, like 70 days. Um, Not normal. There was no funny business going on, just the venue and a a few other circumstances. I think there was like something that was happening that I just couldn't recognize. Like 
Um, we have this fast engagement, we get married and it's awesome. Like such a good wedding, especially for how, how short of a planning period we had. And three months into our marriage, she just gets terribly sick. Like she couldn't keep any food down at first. It seemed like she just had the stomach flu, you know, like, okay, you'll be fine in a few days, you know, just stay in bed. No big deal. I'll rub your feet. It's all fine. But at some point it became obvious, like this isn't going away. Like she is puking for hours a day. It's awful. So once we started to realize like, okay, this is a thing we, I think, started to panic. Um, it was really scary for both of us. And so we started going to like hospitals and doctors and trying to like get some understanding of like what in the world is happening. And we meet this really kind doctor a GI doctor who's like incredibly caring and connects with us and our story and just like wants to help. And he's like, you know, I, I, I want to help you. I think what's going to be the most helpful though, is just running a gamut of tests. So we don't have all the like world-class stuff here at this hospital, but like I've sent several people up to the Mayo clinic. Why don't I send you up there and they'll do like just the most insane tests and it'll be great. We'll get all the info we need. So we were like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Like it's a world-class facility. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. So it felt like we were almost honeymooning at the Mayo Clinic. Alicia was up there for three months and it was rough, man. The tests that they did were excellent, but some of them were like so out there, like sweat tests where she would have this uh, this gold dust paint like painted on her body and they put her basically in a sauna and it was like where you sweat the dust would turn to purple you know um, tests like anorectal manometry we're not going to get lost in what that is just awful things Heidi she even did this thing called biofeedback that it's a it's a thing that can uh, come in different you know forms like it's basically teaching your body to do the things that it should already know to do. And this form of biofeedback was essentially poop school. Like, I don't want to get too gross here, but they were like, oh, we think you just like kind of lost the ability to, to go to the bathroom. So you're getting clogged. So she would sit on a false bottom toilet and there would be a lady, like literally this is this woman's job to sit underneath people and be like, Hey, uh, press here, like relax here and awful, awful stuff. Like it, it really was not a fun season. And, you know, I had run through all my vacation time, uh, and with the wedding and the honeymoon and I, I couldn't be with her this whole time. So we enlisted a lot of friends and family to be up in Minnesota with her. It was just a really rough season. Uh, finally, we got to the end of it. And, you know, we were going to sit down with the managing doctor and get this explanation of, okay, this is what's going on. Uh, this is what we're going to do to like help you. And th th we're going to release the plan. So I was obviously there for that meeting. I wasn't going to miss that for anything. And so we walk in to the small room. This doctor sits down, looks at Alicia and says, Alicia, here's my assessment. You're a ruminator. And, um, and then he kind of trails off and I, I, I'm like lost in this. Like, what does that mean? I'm not a very smart person. So, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, that's a big word. I, I wish I had a better vocabulary. 
Alicia being clearly so much smarter than me, she got what this doctor was saying right away. She said, okay, I'm sorry. You, you think I'm crazy? Like, you think this is in my head? And the doctor said, no, not crazy. I just think that you've got some emotional things that you just haven't coped well in your, in your life. And if we got you counseling, probably you'd be able to process through that and your physical, you know, problems would go away. And I'm like, what, like, what are we talking about here? This makes no sense to me. And as a new husband, man, I I was out of my element. Like I, (laughs) I felt like I barely knew my wife, even though I did, you know, but, um, I didn't know how to advocate for her. I just sat on my hands in this, in this meeting and Alicia really didn't need me. She could advocate for herself, but I incredibly regret just sitting there silently. Um, because Alicia is one of the most well-adjusted, um, emotionally, like intelligently pert, like she's, she's put together. She's done a lot of counseling in her life. Like she, uh, when I put her up on a, on a pedestal like this, like I truly mean it, like she's the real deal. And I just was so confused. And basically, you know, in the, in the first meeting, Alicia alluded to some abuse that happened in, in her home and when she was a child and it was basically her dad against her mom, you know? And so bad words that were said and it wasn't extreme to, to Alicia, but this doctor latched onto that fact in the first meeting three months earlier. And Alicia's challenging him. What about, what about anal rectal manometry? What about the sweat test? What about biofeedback? What about all this stuff that you had me go through? And he's like, oh, okay, let me look. And he's like looking at the chart seemingly for the first time. And he's like, oh, that is interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. And <laughs> And basically he was like, all right, well, hey, my time's up. I have to run to another patient. So if you'd like a reference for, you know, counseling, just let my office know. Well, take care then. Bye-bye, you know? And um, Alicia was not about to let him go. She was like, no, 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 no. Like we're, we're having this out. And there was nothing she could say to change his mind. And it was, it was really defeating Heidi. Yeah. It was awful. We left Minnesota. We left the Mayo Clinic just so de- dejected. We were living in St. Louis at the time. And so on our, on our drive back, it was like, okay, like uh, I I remember thinking, I actually kind of want this to be real. Like I would love for you to be whatever a ruminator is like for this to be a psychological problem. Like that feels better than like a major medical issue, but we get back to St. Louis and go to see this doctor, this GI doctor that had sent us up there and I think we were both really legitimately nervous that he would agree with this doctor. Like, oh yeah, like you're a ruminator. Like, let's just <laughs> take a totally different approach. Cause it just, it, it didn't connect for us. Like it seemed so real that it was a physical problem. And so we're sitting in another small room with, you know, this doctor that we, we thought we liked, you know, we that we thought we were connected with, but right now we don't know how to trust anyone, you know, like what's, what's going to be the, the outcome. And so, we're sitting there and I remember Heidi feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to puke. Like the tension is so thick and Alicia's the puker, right? Like, <laughs> um, but finally he breaks this tension and says, honey, it's not in your head. It's in your gut. And I'm so sorry that this experience was hard and, um, you know, gave you some, some news that, that, that felt really murky and 
uh, you know, unstable and whatnot. But like, I'm so glad that we sent you there because I've got all the data I need to be able to make some decisions to figure out how to help you best. And it was like, oh, like, thank goodness, this is awesome. So we, uh, he quickly identified that the majority of her disease, which is called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. If you've ever seen a contortionist, someone who can bend their joints in any direction, that's a hyperflexibility located in their joints. Alicia and I jokingly call that the cool version. It's really not cool because it can be very painful, but at least you've got some party tricks out of it. You know, like you can, you can entertain your friends. With Alicia, it tends to be localized in her abdomen. So, um, you know, over the years, she spent, you know, hundreds of nights in the hospital, um, you know, dozens of surgeries. There was, there's two near-death experiences, just really hard stuff. She's got cow tissue, meshing, tacks, all installed to keep her organs where they're supposed to be. Uh, her, her muscle tone of her digestive tract is totally shot. There's just nothing pushing food through. And that's why she was puking so much. Um, and so the doctor said, all right, I think the majority of this disease is in your colon. So we're going to take the colon out and um, you're, you're going you're gonna to get better. Like I'm convinced of it. And so, yeah, we trust you. Let's do this. So we take the colon out and she does, she gets better. It's amazing. It feels like I have my wife back and she can eat and she can participate and she's, you know, crushing everything in life. And it's awesome. But over a number of months, maybe a couple of years, it becomes obvious that the disease continues to spread through the rest of the digestive system. She begins to puke more and more and, you know, continue to go downhill. And it, it was, you know, for the last 15 years, to be honest, Heidi, She's just had a pretty much straight line, uh, you know, downward trajectory in her health. Um, she's literally half the woman I met. She's, she's pretty tall. She's 5'8", and she's 67 pounds. I mean, just skin and bones. It's, it's, it's been really exceptionally hard to watch. And there was, you know, this one season after the colon that she improved. And then another season where she had some improvement that felt like an absolute miracle. Uh, uh, we wanted to be parents really badly and, uh, had like prayed about it and just like put so much energy. We had visited every specialist around St. Louis to see if we could get pregnant. And it just seemed like everyone was like, there's no way, like impossible for you to get pregnant and then impossible for you to, to carry the pregnancy, like super impossible for you to carry because her uterus had, had failed before ever having a human being in there. So, you know, we, we wanted it, we were pursuing it, but it just was like, okay, this is just never going to happen. And then literally the, the moment that we gave up on this, on this dream was the moment that it happened. It was insane. And I was so scared. Heidi, I was so scared. I thought for sure we were going to lose this baby. And I thought for sure we, I was going to lose Alicia. Like something tragic was going to be happening, was going to happen. And I was going to be all alone. Like, in the trajectory of like, you know, water and lemons and sugar and, you know, all the stuff, it, it felt like maybe we were going to make lemonade, but I was too scared to believe it. Well, Alicia got better during the season and she could eat and 
her body just like knew how to protect this baby. And uh, she couldn't carry to full term, but she carried to almost 32 weeks. And I, I almost shudder to share this publicly sometimes because I know there's a, a lot of painful stories out there of people not having this gift. But um, I don't know. It just felt like it felt like a gift. Like I, I, I couldn't explain it. It truly felt like a miracle. And I was just so grateful for it. Like it, it, it changed a, a lot of my life. I, I, I found an appreciation for, um, you know, beauty in the midst of pain. And, um, you know, certainly there's more to the story. I've been rambling on a lot. You may have questions. I might, might not have told that super well. So I'll pause to give you a chance to jump in. Well, so you had a baby. How how long ago, and what'd you have? Yeah, wow. my my yes. little boy Anderson is now eleven years old. Okay, and uh, he's he's the best. He's awesome. uh, he's my scheme buddy. Yeah, uh, he, he he does online school. He comes to work with me every day, and um, is on the other side of my office wall. Like I can see him right now on this on the camera. Like he's doing his schoolwork. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so amazing gift. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, and so over the years, man, as, as, you know, after this pregnancy, she just continues to go downhill and, um, you know, there's, there's these moments where we, we would get like, okay, a little bit of hope. Like, could, could there be something that, that could intervene and, and make a difference in Alicia's life? And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a pessimist. I, I'm, I'm never wanting to be like, oh yeah, I want to put my hope in this, but you know, what, like, what else do I have? Like, I, like, I, I, I need to have some optimism that something is going to provide some relief and, you know, her, her, the symptoms go far beyond just not being able to eat. Um, she has these neurological problems. She falls pretty frequently. Um, she has so much pain that she deals with. And we, we eventually moved out to Colorado and, and that was hard because we left our, our doctor and we had really great community. And, um, and so it took a while to reestablish all that stuff in Colorado, but we came across this doctor totally by happenstance that suggested this therapy called IVIG. It's an antibody therapy that you get um, antibodies from a thousand people's um, blood work in one dose. And this doctor is like, I really believe that if nothing else, it's going to help your immune system, but I think it will help take away a lot of these neurological components of your disease. And so we're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. This sounds great. And so we jump into this thing and it's helping. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not fixing Alicia, but it's slowing the downfall that we're experiencing. Like I, I think of Alicia's health in terms of like maybe a, a chart that you would see on Excel and it would like, you know, outside of these two seasons, it, it's pretty like straight line down, but with IVIG, we're experiencing a, a plateau. At least she's not, you know, falling as quick as she was. It, it really feels like we can maintain, like if we can keep doing this, this is going to be, good for us. Like it's, it's not the quality of life that we want, but it's, it's good. It's not getting worse. So for a couple of years, we're just plugging along with IVIG and things are okay. You know, um, uh, you know, Anderson's growing and Alicia can be mom to him and it's, it's, it's pretty good. 
And then one day we got a, a notice from the insurance company saying, hey, this, is, this treatment is not medically necessary for you. We're, we're not going to pay for it anymore. And truth be told, I think it was, uh, I think it was just really expensive and uh, they didn't want to pay for it anymore. Because I'm like, insurance company, don't you keep a health chart like I do? Like, it's clear that this is the thing that's helping her. Like, this is medically necessary. Yes, she's doing like, seemingly better. She's not in the hospital as much. She's not having the amount of surgery. She's like, things seem to be like decent, but this is why please don't take it away from us. And it, it absolutely wrecked me. Like I was devastated. Um, I was like, okay, we got to keep this going. Like, wh like, what is it going to cost to just pay for it privately? And the answer was uh, $300,000 a year. <laughs> Like, okay, okay, okay. I don't make anywhere close to that. Um, that's just not going to be doable. So I just started to panic. And, and when I say panic, like, I mean, truly panic. We actually, I was going through the process of bankruptcy at the time because all these medical bills had just piled up like for so long and it became punishing. And um, I hate that we did the bankruptcy thing, but we just, there was, there was no hope. And, and I'm like, hi. How do, how do I go from like bankrupt to like paying $300,000 a year? There's no plan. So I had to scramble. I had to get creative. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a big believer in story, right? Like we established this early on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start writing like a quote unquote book. I'm, I, I got this website. It's now defunct. So don't, you don't bother going to it. But it was, I write to save my wife.com. And so like every week or so I would write a new chapter to share our story. And I was like, guys, I am not trying to become famous here. I just need this to go viral. We need this to get to Oprah. Oprah can save us, save us, Oprah. Like, <laughs> like we, we need someone to like that, that, that has the ways and means to be able to come in and, and rescue the day. Maybe there's a book deal out of it. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never done anything like this before. And so I, I start doing this and it gets shared around like pretty decently. I don't know that it went viral. I don't know what, what threshold there is for viralness, but um, <laughs> it gets shared around enough that like people in different countries are reaching out to me and is, is like, Hey, really connect with your story. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, I struggle with MS or I've got this rare chronic disease and um, like, People are reaching out to me and, and like wanting to share their their level of encouragement by what I'm sharing in our in our journey and you know kind of almost asking to like you know come alongside of us and just share pain together and I'm like whoa this feels like a lot like I don't know if I'm ready for this and I guess if I'm telling the truth probably the toll of of all of this suffering for a number of years really had like worn on me. And, and when people were reaching out and kind of like looking at me as like, you can encourage me, you can help me. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm a mess. I, I, I got actually pretty depressed. I was, I, I, I maybe struggle with depression naturally, but like all of this felt really overwhelming. And I, I was isolating and pulling away and trying to hide. I was, I was truly depressed. And after a couple months, I just stopped writing. I, I couldn't do it anymore. It, it overwhelmed me. And 
And so uh, thankfully the insurance company, we, we won an appeals process. And so Alicia was able to get back on IVIG and to reestablish a new plateau. But, oh, you know, I, it really kind of haunted me that I couldn't like see it through. And uh, I, I didn't make it to the Oprah show, you know, like um, once again, just like if there's power in my story, like what is it about me that I, I, I can't see it through? So I eventually had to just be honest about my depression and, uh, and own it and uh, like talk about it honestly. And uh, I, I, at work, I was able to step away for a couple months and I, I went away to this treatment center down in Florida and, and got some help, some legitimate help, put me on a medication that was significantly better for me. And when I came back home to Colorado, between the, the sick wife narrative and, you know, I'm an open, authentic person. And I really do want to share my story, even if it's scary. I was open about this, this thing of, of depression. It felt like I had a new street cred with people. Like people were reaching out to me left and right. Like, Hey, I'm really going through something. Like, could, could we hang out? Could we get coffee? Can we talk? And I was like, Oh no, like, I don't know if I can handle this. But actually, it was like the most life-giving thing that I could do. People would sit down and share their story and invite me into what I now know is an expectation gap. Like that's, you know, to say I'm an expectation gap coach. I didn't see it a few years ago, but that's exactly what I was doing. And I was finding life in it. Like they were inviting me in to walk with them and to their suffering, their expectation gap often was very different than mine. It wasn't a sick wife thing. It wasn't depression necessarily, but they felt like I could maybe understand and they invited me in and I just saw amazing things happening in their lives. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's what I want to do. I like, how, how in the world do I frame my life into just being able to do that? And I spent a lot of time like processing that, praying about it, um, talking with people about it. And I just one day I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to coach people. At some point I, I actually had this like weird sense and maybe this was God. I think it was God. Let's, I have to be honest about that. I felt like, okay, I can't charge people for this. I have to give it away, which seems like super absurd how in the world am I going to like feed my family? Like Alicia's really a, a cheap date. Um, she it doesn't cost much when we go out to dinner, but um, you know, I, I have to provide, but I don't know. I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll try that. So I started this coaching organization that has this nonprofit status and people believe in it so much that they've like supported me to be able to give away coaching to people that are suffering people that are feeling the weight of the expectation gap. Uh, these people are experiencing disappointment and dissatisfaction and distress. And I guess that's truly like, there's been a few like lemonade moments or near lemonade moments, you know, like moments of like, you know, that thirst being quenched, but like the last couple of years, you know, I started a month before the pandemic. I'm like, you know, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like no one's going to give to this. The whole world has been turned upside down, but I've, I've, I've made every month. I've been able to meet with, you know, over 150 people and help them. And it's, it's felt like true lemonade for my soul. It's been, it's been the best thing ever. And 
So to land, I guess the whole story is to say, I, uh, I really hate that my wife is sick. <laughs> I re- she, she suffers in ways I will never understand. And frankly, I've suffered in, in profound ways. Um, I think I'm a suffering guy. She's a suffering gal. But I, I actually don't know if I would trade it because I've, I've just seen how we can use our story and we can use authenticness to help other people. And I hope that doesn't come off weird that like, I, I want my wife to be healthy, like so badly, but um, I'm, I'm really thankful for the journey that we've walked. And uh, I don't know if I'd trade it at this point, you know? Yeah, that's an amazing gift when you can get to that point in your life to look back on your lemons and be grateful for them. They bring you to where you are now so you can help other people. And that's the key to it is you're using your knowledge to bless others. That's an amazing gift. No, well, so thank you. what exactly do you do now for others with your lemonade? I My coaching organization is called Tiller Coaching. People can just pop onto the website. And if, if they recognize that they're living in an expectation gap and it's too much for them, they can book an appointment and uh, we set up a zoom and I share my story. They share theirs and we establish what their expectation gaps are. And I, I, I just work a a unique program. There's some like universal things that I kind of do with everyone. Like how do we celebrate in the midst of suffering? I think that's a a big key to, to our success because it, it helps us to own reality. You know, like reality is not what we want, but there's actually some good stuff in reality and we can't forget that. So how do we celebrate that? But every, every person I meet with, you know, we, we go a little bit of a different route and uh, <laughs> it, it works out. And it, I think there's just power in not walking your suffering alone. Right. You know, right. And so I, I just encourage people to be, to own the fact that they're suffering guys and suffering gals. And, um, you know, a lot of people read my book and, and that's the entry point into, into tiller coaching. And, you know, they're like, yeah, like, I feel, I feel like you have some secret sauce that can help me. And I'm like, let's do it. So I, I spend my time with people and I, I just try to do it with, uh, with authenticity. Yeah. You share your story and your light and your gifts and it blesses their lives in whatever way they need it. And I love how you teach about suffering and to celebrate it in a way, because Mm. it's something that we kind of label it. We want to label things as good and bad and it can just be what it is. It just is. And it's your way of traveling. It's your life. So just find ways to incorporate joy into that. That's right. Yeah. And I think, I think celebration is just an overlooked thing in our lives in general. Yeah. And yeah, sure. um, my, my little boy, Anderson, like he's, he's a suffering kid, right? Like things aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so I really badly want to model for him. What does it look to, what does it look like to celebrate? Cause it, it's really important. It's something I value very highly and I want him to value very highly. So it's sometimes it's pressure to walk it out. But most of the time, it's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. My, my cup of sugar for people is that you know, they have a story. You have a story. If you're listening, I don't care if it feels super like vanilla or watered down to use the lemonade reference. It's still a, a powerful story. And I think authenticity is going to win the day for you, no matter if you're stuck in it or not. Share it because there's power. Like it, 
story is our greatest gift that we can give people. Uh, so share it, whatever that is. I don't, I don't care if it feels watered down. I bet you it's more refreshing than you think. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I have found that in my own life too, that people tend to look at me and be like, oh, you wouldn't understand. You've got it all together. You're doing the things, you know? And then as soon as I say something, something I've been through or dealt with or what I think or feel or what I'm experiencing and a trial or a tragedy and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you, you're, yeah. you are having a life? Yeah, we all do. And so yeah. I love how it just connects us with each other. That little bit of vulnerability to share what we might be dealing with or suffering or pain mm -hmm. or even just our own mean thoughts. And if we can be vulnerable and share that with others and they just embrace us and they want to care for us, they want to uplift us, they want to support us. So That's they don't right. know how to do that until we say what's going on. So I think it's great. Great advice to just share, be vulnerable, yeah. connect with other people. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And Heidi, you're, you're doing it. You're walking it out. Like you have people of all different walks of life coming on here and bearing it out. So yeah, you are, you're doing great. Keep it up. I'm thank so you. encouraged by what you're doing. Thank you. You too. That's awesome you. what you're doing too. So keep talking to people and encouraging them as well. You're giving a light and a gift to those around you. So thank you. I appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much, Heidi. I really appreciate it. enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand. <laughs>